Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Today you're going to thank God you came. Praise the Lord. Because the Lord instructed me to, to speak about a certain, a very interesting topic today, and I believe that your life will not be the same again. Get excited for the word. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, somebody. Hallelujah, somebody. Father, we thank you. The entrance of your word brings light. It giveth understanding to them that are simple. Thank you for the light that is illuminated in our lives tonight. That no doubt is changing our course forever. In Jesus' mighty name. The Bible says in 1 Kings chapter 19 and verses 18. No, no, let me begin from verses 15. So that I can give an idea to those that do not know the story. The Bible says, the Lord said unto him, who? Elijah. Go return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when thou comest, anoint Hazel to be king over Syria. Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shall thou anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel-Mehola, whatever that is, shall thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. And it shall come to pass that him that escapeth the, the sword of Hazael shall Jehu slay, and him that escapeth the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. Yet have I left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which has not kissed him. So, the Bible says, he departed thence and found Elisha, the son of Shepherd, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him, and with the 12th, and Elijah passed by and cast his mantle upon him. The Bible says, he left the oxen, ran after Elijah and said, let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and mother, then I will follow thee. And he said unto him, Go back again, for what have I done to thee? And he returned back from him, took a yoke of oxen, and slew them, and boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen, gave them unto the people, and they did eat. Then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. Somebody say, Amen. Amen. Now, the Bible, of course, from where I began from, it begins from a place where Elijah, the prophet, is fleeing. Uh, Jezebel. Some of you know the story. Praise God. And God finds him in a cave. <laughs> and then he starts to rebuke him for running away from Jezebel. Somebody shout hallelujah. Now a time comes, of course he was fed by God. He was given strength. They tell him return in the wilderness. Anoint Hazael. Anoint Jehu. And anoint who? Elisha. For he that escapeth the sword of Hazael shall Jehu slay, and him that escapeth the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. But you see, not all the prophets are dead. There is 7,000 that have not bowed their knees, neither kissed Baal. Praise the Lord Jesus. And now the Bible, the, it, the story begins where I want to really focus on. The story begins at the point where the prophet Elijah comes from the presence of God and pursues the instruction God has given him and he finds the son of Shepherd looking after his father's oxen. Perhaps they were family animals. And the Bible says, he cast his mantle on him. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. He cast his mantle upon him. Now, of course, we read these stories like they're drama, but I want you for a moment to think, you woke up and left your family, your mother and father, you went to look after animals, to feed them. And during day, this guy comes out of the blue, and he throws his mantle on you. 
Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says he cast his mantle on him. And the Bible says immediately he left the oxen, ran after Elijah and said unto him, let me, let me go and kiss my mother and father by for, and then I'll follow you. And, and the prophet speaks ironically, go back for what have I done to thee? You understand what I'm saying? It was ironical, but it was serious. The prophet is asking, what have you go? What have I done to you? The Bible tells you, the Bible doesn't actually say that, 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 that he went back to his father and mother and kissed them goodbye. Uh-uh. He gets the yoke and oxen, he slays them, boils them with their flesh and the instruments thereof, gives them to the people that were there, they ate, he arose and followed Elijah. Now imagine your son left early morning to go looking after oxen and you never hear about him. Can you think about it for a moment? Are you following me? Your brother woke up in the morning to go and look after your family animals. And then the story of those that have seen the eyewitnesses say, ah, some guy came and put his mantle on him and he cooked everything and walked away. You think about it in the African understanding. <laughs> huh? Who bewitched him? Who bewitched the guy? What demon sat on him? I think it's Juju. You understand what I'm saying? But ladies and gentlemen, this happened to somebody in the Bible. This is what you and I are reading today. It's a reality of divine truth. It's an experience that happened once in the history. And it was worthy for God to record it for you and I to hear, to understand and register and learn something. Of course, many people talk about Elijah and Elisha. Elisha is having Elijah. The Bible actually calls this Elisha the son of Shaphat, which, which poured water on the hands of Elijah. He was a servant of Elijah. There's many attributes there that I've heard in the Christian faith being talked about and taught many times uh, regarding the things somebody should do to grow in the things of God. And truly, many of the things that explain the Elijah and Elisha experience as true then as they are today, that there are certain things you cannot attract upon your life until you learn to pattern yourself in serving a certain anointing. Somebody say amen. Not worshipping a certain anointing, but serving a certain anointing. Honoring, not worshipping. Not exalting beyond God. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. And Elijah is a typification of the Christian walk and how we ought to serve God. Somebody shout hallelujah. But today I came to talk about the mantle, specifically the mantle. Because you see, many people do not have an idea of exactly what happened in the spirit on the life of Elijah. Yet what was cast on him released the divine instruction that was to change the course of his life forever. There are things that can happen to you by God. And change the course of your life forever. There are things that can happen to you by God. And change your direction forever. That can change your boundary of habitation forever. That can change your relationships forever. That can change your home forever. That can cause you to walk from a certain direction and never go back again. Even if it looked like it was obvious that you were supposed to go. You can have an experience by God that will change the course of your life forever. And of such days is the experience of the man I'm reading about today, Elisha. He woke up in the morning going to look after the, the animals of his parents, the oxen of, of Shaphat. His father's household, maybe. And he did not know that something was going to change the course of his life forever. That he was going to go a direction that he was never going to come back again. We don't even know in history whether he ever went back to his own family. But what we know is that the mantle changed his course. You understand what I'm saying? Of course, the Hebrew word there for mantle is glory. You understand? The Lord exposed him to a certain glory. And that glory 
changed the course of his life forever. If you go back in the Hebrew culture to understand what we mean by cloak or glory or, or mantle, these were coverings that men of God had. They were identical with the prophets. They were also identical with other people in scripture that were not of prophets. Job. You understand what I'm saying? They were identical with many people in scripture. And these were things that were worn made out of animal skin to cover them from the elements of the earth. The sun, the rain, and all these other things. But it's amazing that this artifact that these people wore had a spiritual implication at one point in history. It had a spiritual implication in the event that I'm speaking about tonight. It changed the man's course. The mantle, this cloth, this skin, this hide on a man was thrown on another man's life and this course changed forever. Some people talk about the things that we must do under the anointing to grow. Granted and all these things are necessary. But probably I'll ask you the question to, to help you understand where I'm going. Think with me for a moment. How did Elisha know that this was a mantle to follow? How did the son of Shepherd pick it in the spirit that this kind of anointing was not an anointing to go back and kiss your mother and father? What people don't see in this equation or in this story was the pre-instruction, the instruction that came prior to his experience when, when God was separating him. Remember, before he met Elisha, God told Elijah, go and separate and anoint Elisha in your stead. You understand? Before he met him, God had given him a name and told him there's a guy called Elisha. Go and anoint him in your place. And if I have time, I, I hope one day I get the point to explain why Elijah seems like he's replaced quicker. You understand what I'm saying? So that's how he comes from that separation. Or even assuming that all the prophets are dead. And the first person, you see they tell him, go and anoint Elisha. The first person he meets is the man God tells him to anoint. What are the chances that the spirit of the Lord was working in the life of this man? Positioning him for the responsibility of Israel. What was in Elisha's day that day? What was in his mind that day was looking after animals. But his spirit was anticipating a certain responsibility on the nation of Israel. Sometimes it's more than the things we do under the anointing. It's the preparation that God puts in your spirit before even you meet the man to serve. It's the visions God starts to put in your heart. It's the dreams that start waking you up at night and they tell you there is something that is coming. But if it comes in this way, follow it. Power happens here any day. If you're new, don't get shocked. Praise God. The demonstration of power is older than all of us here present. The great awakenings have power too, so let power not shock you. Just enjoy the presence of God. If it shocks you, then you need deliverance. <laughs> Are you following me? So yes, there was instruction for him to follow the man. There was something God worked in him while he was still looking after animals. But he was waiting for that impartation. And when that impartation came, he knew that this was not something that was in the ordinary Something was going to change his life forever. You see, there are people in this world who live a normal life of Christianity. They don't have a course. They don't have a dream in their spirit. They don't see or anticipate bigger than looking after oxen. Hallelujah. And I want to cause you to feel something. 
Because the Bible tells us very clearly that there's a feel after. There's a certain sort of feel after that causes men to find God. Hallelujah. This was a feeling in Elisha's soul. God must have spoken to him way before that there's a responsibility on your life. But it has to be reconciled by the guy with that mantle. And the day he casts it on you, move. If you have not found that course, you better be preparing your spirit for that course. If you have neither found it nor preparing your soul, then you have not yet understood the mystery of this gospel. Paul tells you, I press on for the higher calling with which I've been called in Christ. Because he knows that, yes, you and I are called differently. You might never stand on the pulpit like I, or you might never get a microphone and worship like the people behind. But there's something inside your spirit. We, don't, didn't, we all didn't wake up on the pulpit. Uh-uh. We didn't have connections for, for, from certain men of God. We, there are certain people we never knew who never knew us. But there was always something telling you that one day you'll have an encounter that will change the course of your life forever. Some of you are suffering with the things you're suffering with because you have not made your calling and election sure. You're not standing in the perfect will of God concerning the purpose of your life. Things start falling apart sometimes and it's not because the devil is doing this stuff. Uh -uh. But because we're not in the place God has ordained us to be. Somebody said hallelujah. And that's why today I came to call somebody to a certain, to a higher calling. To a higher responsibility. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout hallelujah. I'm going to go a bit deeper here. Elijah in 2 Kings chapter 2. The Lord starts to tell him that I'm going to take you up in a whirlwind. He prepares himself to go. He's in Gilgal, I think. He tells Elisha, Tarry here. Elisha refuses. I'm on my way to Bethel. Tarry here. He refuses. I'm on my way to Jericho. Tarry here. He refuses. I will, I will not leave thee. I'm on my way to the Jordan. Tarry here. I will not leave thee. Until the prophet asks him this question. What is it that I might do for you? How many of you remember that? He asked him, what is it that I may do for you? Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And the Bible says, and Elisha said, I pray thee that let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And I want you to see something special here. And Elijah tells Elisha, you have asked for a very hard thing. Now, if you're a reader of the Bible, I hope you know that I'm going into something pertaining the anointing. He says, you have asked for a very hard thing. But if thou see me when I am taken away from thee, it shall be unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. How many of you remember that story? Somebody shout hallelujah. It shall not be so. The Bible says in the next verse, And it came to pass as they were still went on and talked, that behold there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire, and parted them both asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. Now the highest level of revelation comes. Because remember from the time he's separating himself. I want to go to Jericho. Don't go with me. I want to go to Bethel. Don't go with me. I want to go to the Jordan. Don't go with me. Even the sons of the prophet. They find Elisha and tell him. No it's not that the Lord is taking your master. And Elisha keeps telling them. I know. I know he's taking him. Now. I believe that the sons of a prophet must have been among the 7,000 hidden men. Which indeed had an experience of vision in the spirit. But were not relevant to the function of that lot and matter of purpose in the time of Israel. Except to confirm what was already affirmed in the spirit of a man who had seen all this stuff. So prophet, where are you? Do you see 
Elisha's master go? Do they clap for you and say, wow, it's true man of God. Because you saw Elisha's servant go. Elijah's servant go. And so Elisha's master go. Is that it? So what qualifies you as a man of God is to see that the master of Elisha is going. So Elisha will pay tribute and say, ah, you seen the spirit. How did you know? You understand what I'm saying? Because there are people who are there. But I want you to see that Elisha was on another page with the sons of the prophet. He saw more than they saw. And I'm going to show you something. I'm going to show you something. Now the Bible tells us that the Bible says that Elisha saw. He saw what Elijah told him in verses 12. And he cried, listen, my father, listen, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. Now I want you to see something here. He shouted, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and rent them in two pieces. That means the moment Elijah was carried up, he got his own mantle, his own anointing, his own glory. And he rent it up in two pieces. And the next verse says, and he took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. And he said, he took the mantle of Elijah and fell upon him and he smote the waters and said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he had also smiled in the waters, they parted thither and thither and Elisha went over. Now listen, the next verse says, and when the sons of the prophets which were to view at Jericho saw him, they said, the spirit of Elijah does rest on him. But listen, and they came to meet him and bowed themselves to the ground before him. Question, the man was going and you knew. But before he left, he was still the master of Elisha. When he goes, it comes to your spirit that the man that has left the nation is actually the father. He is the chariot and the horseman of Israel, the destiny of that nation. He's the army and the war thereof. He's the horses thereof. He is the father of that nation. And it has only come to their realization when the man goes. That's when the sons of the prophets realize, okay, now, we can no longer maintain the position of sons of the prophet. The guy that has just passed before our very own eyes is the father of Israel spiritually. He's the chariot and the horseman thereof. The Bible says they came and bowed to the same man they were warning, giving a prophetic word. Am I communicating somebody? They came and bowed to the very man they gave a prophetic word a couple of years ago, minutes ago, or hours ago. I don't know. You know, let me also talk to people who are in the prophetic. The lowest level of prophecy is seeing a man under a tree when you're not under that tree. That's what Jesus said. He told a man, no, it's not that I saw you under a tree. He says, before Philip called thee, when thou was under the fig tree, I saw you. And the next verse says, in the fascination of this man, Nathanael answered and said unto him, Rabbi, thou art the son of God, thou art the king of Israel. Why? Huh? And Jesus answered and said unto him, because I said unto thee, I saw you under the fig tree. You believe now? No, listen to the son of God. <laughs> listen, to, listen to how Jesus thinks. Not how a generation that then hear God thinks. You mean you now believe because I saw you under a tree? You mean that's it, that's it, that's it. You saw me under a tree, that's it. I saw you do this, that's it. I saw you eat food last night, that's it. I saw your sister, that's it. Jesus told the man, thou shall see greater things than these. He didn't, Jesus didn't tell him, I see greater. 
He told the man who is already shocked, right, that you shall see greater things than this. Do you understand what I'm saying? Agabus could see the famine in Israel and save them. And Agabus could see Paul arrested in Jerusalem. He says the owner of his garments shall be guarded in Jerusalem. But Agabus could not see that it was ordained for Paul to go to Jerusalem. He could not complete the story on Paul's prophecy. But he was a prophet and he could see. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, go back to the sons of the prophets. They're still at the level of, do you know the Lord is taking your master? Huh? They even assume Elisha doesn't know. But deeper than that, there's one man in Israel called Elijah. He's the chariot and the horseman. He's the continuation of divine purpose for anything called mantle for the next dispensation of the anointing. And guess what? The sons of a prophet realize when the man is carried. Before that, they dealt with Elisha like a peer. Hey, man. Mommy, how you doing? You know the Lord is taking your man? Yeah, he's taking your guy. Listen, if they knew, they would all have served Elijah. And guess what? Up to today, we don't know their names. Am I against being a prophet? No. I'm only saying, reach out for greater things. Nations are at stake. Stop seeing men under trees. Nations are at stake. Posterity is being preserved. History is being written. See deeper. You understand what I'm saying? When you read Jeremiah, what comes to your head? When you read Isaiah, being able to pull... Uh, woo, he was wounded for transgressions. He, he begins for who, who's, who has re revealed our report. To whom is the hand of the Lord revealed? For he shall come tender. But he was rejected. He, he has comeliness. We shall see him. There is no beauty with him, within him that we should desire. This is, this is, this is a, a, a Isaiah seeing the Christ coming way, way many years later. That's why he's relevant. That's why he's relevant. So I'm not against you being a prophet. No. See greater. Tell your neighbor, see greater. See greater stuff. Praise the Lord. Why? Because you'll see men under trees and we'll lose a nation. We'll lose a nation. When you're still seeing... When you're still somewhere attending some show and people die. Do you understand what I'm saying? See greater. Somebody say see greater. In the mighty name of Jesus. Uh, do you understand what I'm saying? See greater. Because your responsibility, woman of God, is bigger than Uganda. Tell your neighbor it's bigger than Uganda. It's for the world. The responsibility on your life is going to change nations. It's Woo! You're going to be spoken of 20 years to come. 30 years to come. 60 years to come. It's okay. Don't leave the man under the tree. But from there, see greater. Somebody shout hallelujah. Don't leave the man under the tree. No, see there. But after seeing there, see what? Greater. Somebody shout hallelujah. Now, I'm imagining the sons of the prophets who finally start bowing to Elijah, Elisha. You understand what I'm saying? And that's when I saw that when God was taken to Elisha, he told him that there is a man who will come in your life. But this man is my point of contact for the next posterity. Are you following me? And when he comes, 
and puts his mantle on you, the best you can do is follow him. Worst case scenario, ask for permission. If he doesn't grant you, kill the animals and follow because this is the testimony of your nation's story. It's the legacy of your people. It's history being written. You're going to be written over and be preached one day in 2018 in a funeral service. Are you following me, somebody? And this was the catch. The father of Israel. The chariot and horsemen thereof. How do I know that? Towards the end of Elisha's story, similar issue happens. Elisha falls sick in first King, Second Kings chapter 13, verses 14. He falls sick. Now, the Bible says Elisha was fallen sick of his sickness, whereof he died. And Joash, listen, the king of Israel came down unto him, wept over his face and said, same words, Oh, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. He repeated the same thing. So Elisha gets from Elijah the anointing to be the chariot and horseman of the nation. To father that generation. Joah saw it in Elisha. He repeated the exact words. And what does the next verse say? And Elisha said unto him, take bows and arrows. You've seen it? Joash, you've seen it? You have seen that I'm not just a prophet? Now, I'm, I'm knitting this later to Christ. You've seen that I'm not a prophet? I'm more than a prophet? I have a responsibility over this nation? You, you see that I am more than just a prophet going to be with God? Or just the good man of God? You, you've seen the mantle I saw on my father Elijah? He tells him, take bows and arrows. And he took unto him bows and arrows. And the next verse says, And he said unto the king of Israel, Put thine hand upon the bow. And he put his hand upon it. And Elisha put his hands upon the king's hands. And he said, Open the window eastward. And he opened it. And Elisha said, Shoot. And he shot. And he said, The arrow of the Lord's deliverance. And the arrow of the deliverance from Syria. For thou shalt smite the Syrians in Afek till thou hast consumed them. And the next verse says, And he says, Take the arrows. And he took them. And he said unto the king of Israel, smite upon the ground. And he smote thrice and stayed. And the Bible says, the man of God was wroth with him and said, why shouldest thou have smitten five or six times? Then thou, the Bible says, have, thou should have smitten Syria till thou hadst consumed it. Whereas thou now thou hast smite Syria but three times. Why did you smite three times? You should have smitten four, five, six times. Those should have been the numbers of victory. But you see, God is speaking such a wondrous blessing on Josh because he knew. What was on Elisha? Sometimes we don't know what we have. Tell your neighbor, sometimes we don't know what we have. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. And some honor late. Now let me connect this to, to the gospel. You start to look at a few similar things with the Christ and Elijah's way. Elijah is taken up by a whirlwind. The Christ is carried up in the clouds. Are you seeing a certain re re issue there? Elijah, Elijah releases a double portion of his spirit on Elisha. Jesus tells you in John, greater things. He says, very, very, I say unto you that he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works also shall he do, because I go unto the Father. You see that? Are you following somebody? So you see, both of them are doing the same thing. But now we're defining the mantle on the Christ. I had to begin from Elijah to show you, but now I, I, I want to go in these few minutes left to, to define for you the mantle on the Christ. Because you need to understand the anointing. You see, every time the Bible says greater things shall we do. It means that the church of Jesus Christ. 
I mean, if John says that the things that Jesus did, if they were to be written, even the volume of those books, the Bible says the world itself could not contain what should be written. It's not necessarily in how many books they are, but deeply in the power of everything written, the world would not contain what should be written. And John saw it. Because he's not just speaking from an imaginative mind. No. He saw certain things and he says, uh-uh. Jesus did way more than was written. And it takes a certain eternal eye for a man to see that these things, even the books, if they were to be written, the world would not contain them. And that same Jesus tells you, greater works shall you do. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? If the son of God did stuff that the world cannot contain, and that same son of God told you that greater works shall you do, that means that the stuff coming out of you has to go through Jupiter, Mars. It has to fill the cosmos. And way beyond the stars. If, if they need to write about us. If they need to write about you. Now I want to get you from that little shop. To the bigger picture in God. I want to get you from just that little girl who sings for God. And go deeper into that responsibility that comes with that singing. The anointing the Lord has placed on you. If, if your end should be of the Lord, then I decree in the mighty name of Jesus, like his word has says, greater things shall you do. Somebody receive it and say, Amen! So the Lord began to tell me about the mantle of the Christ. The anointing that sits on the Son of God. That unlimited, that immeasurable, Paul calls it, surpassing greatness of power that is at work within us who believe. He said it in Ephesians. That the eyes of your understanding being flooded with light. You can know and understand the hope with which he has called you and how rich his glorious inheritance is in the saints. He set apart. And the next verse says, and so that you can know and understand. Listen, what is the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of his power in and for you who believe as demonstrated in the working of his mighty strength. Somebody say, what is upon me is immeasurable. The anointing of the Christ is unlimited. It surpasses all greatness. If the mantles of the old were skins of animals, this man bled, hallelujah. This man bled. If, if animals had to be sacrificed, for men to carry mantles. He became the ultimate sacrifice. Jesus Christ. Blood was shed to make a mantle. And now he comes in your dispensation. And he possesses you. You belong to him. He just doesn't have you. No. You are him. He's you. I am my beloved and my beloved is mine. Interestingly, when you study the Hebrew, there is no word mine or I am my beloved. It's actually, it sort of sounds like my beloved is me and I am my beloved. He wants to share glory with you. He says, my glory, this is Jesus. He said, my glory, I have given them. The glory that thou hast given me, I have given them. He said, and the glory which thou gave me, I have given them. That they might be one, even as we are one. 
I in them, you in me, that the world might believe. I in them, this is Jesus, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them even as thou hast loved me. Think about it. Think about it. Your responsibility goes beyond Uganda. Your responsibility goes beyond Africa. Your responsibility goes beyond Europe and the United States and the islands of this world. It goes beyond the boundaries that were set by men. Why? Because the son of God resides in the inside of you. You now carry the mantle of the Christ. And this is love made perfect. That we might have confidence on that day. For as he is, so are we in this world. So are we in this world. As he is. I want your eyes to open to the greater responsibility. That is upon your life. Stop simply seeing the master go. Understand him. When, Elisha, when Isaiah says, who has believed our report to whom is the hand of the Lord revealed. In fact, when you read the Hebrew, what they're revealed is, is uncovered and ashamed. To whom is the hand of the Lord uncovered as to shame? And right there, he's talking about the crucifixion. The wounding for our transgressions. The bruising of our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace that was upon him. By whose stripes were healed. He's saying, who shall believe our report? Who has seen the revelation of the wounding of the Christ? Because the arm of the Lord was only uncovered to shame when Jesus went on the cross. In other words, who has understood the revelation of Jesus' death and resurrection? That's why Paul says that when I was a midst you, I sought to know nothing and be acquainted of nothing. Save Christ, dead and him crucified. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's deeper than... I want your eyes to see that the reason why you are a partaker, you are a child of God, you are a partaker of this life, is because the mantle on your life is bigger than Israel. It's for the whole world. Tell somebody I'm going to shake this world for Jesus. I'm going to change this world for the son of God who gave himself for me. I refuse to live a normal life. There is more to you. Somebody there is more to you than what men see. Even when you serve in a ministry you serve as you're serving Christ. Somebody shout hallelujah. The Bible church says in the church of Macedonia that they gave themselves unto the Lord and unto us by the will of God. When you serve a man of God, you're serving Jesus. When you sit in a fellowship and then you serve, you usher, you do your security, you help arrange chairs, you're serving God. Not us. And if there are imitations... Only imitate that which is of Christ in us. Some of you, instead of falling under the, un, the mantle of the Christ, you're falling under the mantle of men who have separated themselves from Christ. Don't ask for the anointing on my life. Ask for the spirit of Christ. Operating in my life. Paul calls it the supply of the spirit of Christ. That one is supposed to be working. Through people who are anointed. Hallelujah. They that come to God. The Bible says must know that he is. Firstly. And the reward of them that diligently seek him. But you see before you understand the reward of them that diligently seek him. Come to him knowing that he is. Who is Jesus? 
Who is God? Live along what they tell you to know about him. Or what they share with you about what they know about him. But what do you know about Jesus? Yes, they read for you the Bible. Yes, they, they share with you the scriptures. That's all right. But with Jesus, do you know? Because you can never understand the, the anointing. You can never understand the glory. You can never understand the mantle until you understand the person. Who is he? That I may know him. And the fellowship of his suffering. It perhaps I may what? Fellowship with his suffering. Being conformable unto his death. Why? That I, if by any means, he says, I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. That I might see the resurrection power of God. That I might be found in him. Not having my own righteousness, which is of the law. But that which is through the faith of Christ. The righteousness, which is of God by faith. Hallelujah. God is not a witch doctor. He has not carried for you some legal wand or talisman for you to go home and use and all your life is changing. Buy water all you want and drink it. Buy holy oil if you want. But as long as you don't know this man, you're missing out. The deeper you know him, the deeper the anointing. There are things I do, not because I'm gifted, but because I know God. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not boasting. I'm telling you the truth. When he says that they that know their Lord will do mighty exploits, there are things I can do, not because I'm a gifted man, but because I know him to be true. How do we heal the sick? If we don't know him. How do we cast out devils if we, if we don't know him? How do we demonstrate the power of God if we do not know him? Where would Fanero be if I did not know him in a certain way? But yet still, like Paul says, not that I've attained, but I seek that I may apprehend that which Christ apprehended me for. What I mean is I don't stop to hunger. I'm still... Stretching out because I know that there's something on my life bigger than Uganda. There's something on your story bigger than your skin color. There's something in your blood bigger than your language. There's something in your destiny bigger than your education. There's something in your posterity bigger than your generations before. And that is Jesus the same yesterday, today and forever. But you must believe that there is greater to you. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The glory of the Christ rests upon his church to the fullness. And it is not limited. I heard a man say one day, he said, you know, I don't believe in preachers who say you can do anything you can you can have anything you want because they're not God. You see, let me help that person. By the time you can have anything you want or do anything you want, you're so dead to the flesh for it to be a carnal desire. He says, the spirit of the Lord shall come upon you and you shall be turned into another man. And he says, and you shall prophesy with them. Hallelujah. And he says, and whatsoever calls, appears to you, whatever occasion serves thee. He says, do as occasion serves thee, for God is with you. By the time God gives you the liberty to do as occasion serves you, he has killed every carnal sense of you to make this a selfish desire and a human fleshly affair you're too dead to serve an occasion of the flesh
That's the liberty of the spirit. God has told me we are as free as we are dead. Somebody shout hallelujah. We are as free as we are dead. Because the more dead you are in the understanding of what it means to be dead, recording yourselves dead, is the deeper of the freedom you have in him because in there, there is no occasion of the flesh to take opportunity. I know that you're going to be a very wealthy woman. I know it. But when you are, it will not be that you'll exalt yourself beyond measure. But that the orphan will have food and the widow will have, a, will have shelter. That the gospel will be preached across the world and the end should come quicker. I know that an anointing of healing is settling on your life. I know it. But that anointing is not settling on your life. Receive it. That anointing is not settling on your life. Some people would know that you have power. But that anointing will set on your life that the world will know that God still lives among men and he wants to do signs, miracles and wonders to the end that men will receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Now the glory is here. Somebody raise your hands. Wherever you are. Something is going to happen in a few minutes from now. Seconds. I urge you not to be afraid of what you see. And just mind your business with Jesus. These are days of the outpouring of the spirit of God. And a glory like we've not seen in a long time on the face of the earth. Come on, talk to Jesus. Talk to Jesus. Give me some volume on the piano. Talk to Jesus. Talk to him. Take a minute. And just tell him you have created me for more. I'm available. I might have come with oxen. But I'm ready to lift them and not kiss my mother by. But to follow you. I'm ready to take another course if it takes that. I'm ready to take another direction of not return. If it means that you will use me as you have called me to be used. You are all glorious. You are all glorious. My heart sings in my soul, my sing. You are all glorious. You are worthy of all honor, all praises to your name, for you alone deserve the
God is pouring it out right now. Jesus is pouring something right now. I see that oil. Power goes. God has called you for bigger things. miracles and wonders receive it receive it receive it somebody over there on my right take it you to the fullest you must fulfill what you ordained me to do you must walk in me to the end of ages like you have promised I cannot die a normal man I cannot die a normal woman right here are the chariots and horsemen of Uganda the chariots and horsemen of Africa the chariots and horsemen of the world by Jesus are here Bible goes in my heart and emotion in my spirit that God is going to use us mightily in this world we're not going to be ordinary men God is going to use us mightily in this world there's a revivalist on this ground right now. And you're going a place you've never been before. And you're never going to go back. God is starting a journey on you. That you're never going to be going back from. Some of you tonight, you just made a turn. And spiritually, you're walking on a course you're never gonna turn back again to certain things you're never gonna turn back again to certain people certain doors are going to close to you not because there's a problem with you but God wants you to move ahead I'm stretching forth somebody give the Lord a mark of praise Clap like it's yours. Clap if you believe. The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 41 466 
1-800-242-4291 or email us at funerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.funero.org or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Make manifest. <laughs>